0: Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. All right, don't laugh at me. When I first joined the Army, true story, this was back before body armor. In fact, when I first joined, I'm not really this old, but when I first joined, they issued me this old school Vietnam era flak jacket. This thing weighed about 40 pounds. Yes, thank you, Skip. He recognizes what that was like. This thing weighed about 40 pounds. It wouldn't stop a bullet. It was designed so that if a hand grenade or a mine went off, it would stop that flaming hot shrapnel from tearing through your skin. But I remember lifting that thing up and thinking, It is so unlikely that I get hit by a grenade, and this thing is so heavy that I don't even have to wear it. I would be dead from dehydration long before the enemy ever threw a hand grenade at me. I'm never gonna wear that thing, and I put it in a closet, and not only me, But the Rangers that I worked with, they hated that flak jacket so much that none of us ever wore it. And finally, the unit got smart and they just stopped giving it to us because they knew it was being, uh, it was just sitting there gathering dust in a locker somewhere. So it wasn't until a week, literally one week before I went to Somalia that I ever saw this piece of equipment the R&D guys handed it to us and they were like, hey, we want you to wear this while you're over in Somalia and it'll stop a bullet of any caliber all the way up until an AK-47. And I remember thinking about this thing exactly like it was a flak jacket, like I'm not interested, not going to wear that thing, it's going to kill me from dehydration, I'm going to Africa in the middle of the summer and I don't plan on getting shot in the chest where this thing is gonna protect your heart and lungs and all of the vital organs. And of course, my boss said, I don't care if you wanna wear it or not, Jeff, put that thing on, you're gonna wear it. And this body armor became such a massive success in Black Hawk Down that it became an instant piece of equipment. Fact so uh, important that almost every Ranger that I know Everything about what they wear in combat is built around this piece of equipment. Yes, I'm going to wear this for the entire day today because I want you to understand something about the plates that go in the front and the back. It still has this little Kevlar in there that's designed to stop shrapnel. But what really makes this thing vital besides the helmet is it's got a plate in the front and the back that's supposed to stop any bullet all the way up until medium caliber and it's supposed to keep a lot of people alive on the battlefield. And if you could wear something that would stop a bullet, why wouldn't you? Well, here's what I want you to understand. We're going to take a look at a pretty famous passage from the Bible today in John chapter 13. And I got some bad news for you because this thing will stop a bullet, but Is no such thing as body armor. There's nothing on planet earth that can stop the wound of a friend. And today, Jesus is going to be wounded deeply by one of his closest followers. And right now, I just want to speak to everybody in this room, everybody who's tuning in online, because I don't even need to know who you are to know you've been hurt really bad by somebody. And there's no plate that can stop somebody from stabbing you in the back. There's no plate that can protect your heart when you open it up to a relationship and then somebody hurts you in that relationship. And you're going to see something about the way that Jesus deals with hurt today that frankly all of us in this room need to be reminded because if you're like me, you want to shut down as soon as you get hurt and shut everybody else out. And Jesus is going to be hurt really bad by one of his closest followers. And there's something that I think we need to learn as we watch Jesus. This whole sermon series, as we study through the book of John, we call it Jesus in real life because this is what it looks like when you try to live your life like Jesus in this crazy, mixed-up, sinful world today. And when sin gets into relationships, and it gets into every human relationship, it's going to hurt people. So you're going to be hurt again and again But if you'll follow some simple uh, examples from Jesus, I think you'll be able to find find the ability to open your heart up again, even after you've been hurt. So here's the three things that I want you to hear from the Bible today about relationships. They're gonna hurt. Love and trouble. Unfortunately, these two go together like a hand in a glove and where you have love, you're going to have pain. Love hurts because people hurt one another and there's no way around it. As long as you're in a relationship, you are opening yourself up to being hurt in a marriage or in a friendship. The deeper the relationship goes, the deeper the hurt. And there's only two options here. Shut everybody out or get hurt again and again and again, because sin is gonna cause people to hurt you. And by the way, you've hurt other people in relationships too. So we're going to take a look at John chapter 13. This is Jesus' communion meal, his last supper. And this is Jesus describing this shocking turn of events. Nobody in the room saw this one coming except for Jesus. When he says, somebody in this room is going to stab me in the back. Somebody is going to betray me today. John chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 25. Listen to the story of Judas's famous betrayal of Jesus at the last supper. In fact, this is the painting that da Vinci painted that became a book and an international best-selling movie. A whole bunch of malarkey in that movie, but this is the event. When Jesus had said this, he was troubled in his spirit. Say the word troubled out loud. And he testified, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. Now, before we go any further, I want you to pay attention to how the disciples react to this statement when he tells them, somebody's going to betray me tonight. The disciples started looking at one another, uncertain which one he was speaking about, which means if you were in the room and you were one of his disciples, you started asking, "Uh, are you talking about me right now, Jesus? Is this me that you're talking about? One of his disciples, the one Jesus loved, thanks a lot, John, for reminding us this was you, the one that Jesus loved was reclining close beside Jesus. And Simon Peter motioned to him to find out who he was talking about, because even Peter didn't know. So John, the one he loved, leaned back against Jesus and asked him, Lord, who is it? If you've been following along in the book of John by this point, you know that this event did not catch Jesus off guard. He knew that somebody was going to betray him. He predicted that somebody was going to betray him all the way back in John chapter 6. But please hear me, brothers and sisters, just because he knew that it was going to happen didn't make it any less painful. So he's having this last supper, his communion meal, and he says, hey, guys, by the way, somebody is going to turn around and stab me in the back. Somebody is going to use my relationship with them against me, and somebody will betray me. And everyone in the room was so shocked by this that they didn't even know, are you talking about me, Jesus, or are you talking about the guy next to me? Because nobody saw this one coming. The Bible even tells us it was only after this happened that they started to put two and two together and realize that guy, Judas, I hated him. I didn't know that I hated him at the time, but now I hate him because he was the jerk that betrayed Jesus. And the Bible tells us that this relationship troubled him. This word has been used now three times in the book. Every time It's talking about something that hurts him deep inside. It's like a punch in the stomach where you want to double over and you want to curl up in a ball. It hurt you so bad. And here's a fun fact. Every single time this has been used at this point in this book, it's always about Jesus and somebody else. Meaning relationships hurt Jesus, just like they hurt you. And there was no way around it That's why I'm wearing this body armor today to remind you, try as hard as you can to protect yourself. There's no way to totally protect yourself from the hurt that a friend is going to do to you. Even the Son of God, God made into the flesh, couldn't stop a friend from hurting him. And if Jesus can't stop it from happening, surely I'm not going to be able to. Surely you won't be able to stop it from happening. Bible scholars have asked the question up to this point, like, Jesus, why would you call Judas? Because you know everything, because you knew back in chapter 6 that he was going to betray you. Why would you call Judas in the first place? And Jesus has already answered the question. This had to happen so that the plan of God, the will of God would be fulfilled but it didn't make it any easier. It didn't mean that it doesn't hurt. I think you might be thinking in the back of your mind, I hope you're not thinking, well, he's the son of God and it didn't hurt because it hurt him just like it hurts you. And so now I'm gonna pose a question to you and I'm gonna ask you to answer this question out loud, but be careful, it's not a trick question but just be very careful and think about it before you answer it. How many of you in this room would love a friend if you were absolutely certain that at some point along the way they would hurt you? Go ahead and raise your hand. If you would go ahead and open your heart up, come on, raise your hand up. Like you really mean it. All right. Now let me remind all of us in this room of something. Everyone in this room, Has hurt somebody that's close to you and everyone in this room needs that person's forgiveness you ultimately need God's forgiveness it's so important that Jesus put it in his model prayer the Lord's prayer forgive me God like I forgive other people who have hurt me I want you to forgive me like that all of us in this room have hurt somebody and everybody who's tuned in everybody who's watching live have been hurt By somebody. There's just no way of avoiding it. So you have two options here. You can just simply open your heart up and find the strength from God to forgive when you've been hurt or ask forgiveness when you've hurt somebody. Or you can run and live in a cave. And can I get real for just a second? I'm talking to people who have turned their living room into a cave and started hiding from other people because they've been hurt. Maybe you've been burned by church. Maybe somebody close to you stabbed you in the back and they hurt you. And so now you've withdrawn from other people. I'm just gonna call you out today. If you're watching this broadcast halfway around the country or halfway around the world, and you can't meet in person because you're physically, geographically not close to us, this is not about you. I'm talking about the guy or the gal that is right across town and could be here, but is not here because they don't wanna be here. And it's not health reasons, it's not a legitimate, health or some other reason why you're not here. The real reason deep in your heart, and it's only you and Jesus that know this, but the real reason you're not here is you don't wanna open your heart up because you don't wanna get hurt again. Listen, let me just warn you, that's a very dangerous road. And don't be surprised when you end up like Mrs. Haversham in Great Expectations and you've pushed everybody in your life away because you haven't let them get close to you anymore if anyone knew he was going to be burned but still opened his heart up it was Jesus and you and I need God's help as much as he did to open our heart up even after we've been burned knowing that if I go deep with this guy or this gal this marriage or this friendship or my relationship at work if I go deep I could get burned yeah you can in fact yeah you probably will But the option, the only other option here is even worse than getting burned. And if you do open your heart up, let's just be honest, maybe they're going to take advantage of you. Maybe they're going to stab you in the back. Because an enemy isn't in a position where they can stab you in the back. You typically face your enemy and your friends have got your six. And your friends, because they've got your six, are now in a position where they can stab you in the back. You wouldn't get stabbed in the back by an enemy unless you're running away. And then you kind of deserve to get stabbed in the back. But Jesus gets stabbed in the back by somebody who's very, very close to him. And it shocks all of the disciples when Jesus says what he describes next, starting in verse 26. Jesus replied, they asked him the question, who's going to betray you, Jesus? Is it me? I don't know who you're talking about, which means I didn't even see this one coming. And Jesus replied, he's the one that I give a piece of bread to after I've dipped it. And when he dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas, Simon Iscariot's son. One of the few times in the Bible where you'll ever see Judas Iscariot's name mentioned that doesn't include the phrase, you know, the guy who stabbed Jesus in the back. He gave it to Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, and after Judas ate the piece of bread, listen to these next three words. They ought to make you pee in your pants just a little bit. Satan entered Judas, and so Jesus told him, what you're doing, do it quickly. In other words, Let's don't waste any time here. I know what's waiting in front of me and it's not gonna be fun and I don't wanna prolong the agony, so just go ahead, Judas, and do this thing. They're having the last supper. This is a communion meal. And if you think about Jesus's life up to this point, this should be the greatest moment, literally, this should be the greatest moment of his life. This should be the pinnacle of his ministry. And instead of celebrating and making this the greatest party that they've ever been part of, instead of this becoming awesome, it's awful because of what's happening at this table. And Jesus knows what's going on in Judas's soul. That ought to scare you a little bit too, because he knows what happens in my soul. Even when my face looks pretty on the outside, there could be something very dark, very evil going on inside me. And it can be you too. And instead of celebrating, Jesus dips the bread and he gives it to Judas. And Jesus isn't setting Judas up to go do what's about to happen. Jesus even tells us in his word that it's Satan that entered into Judas and made this thing happen. I've been struggling with this phrase. I've been actually meditating and chewing on this phrase all week long because I've been asking the question to myself. Every time somebody gets hurt in a relationship, is it because Satan entered into the person that hurt you? And Satan did to them what he did to Judas. You see, the tool that Satan used against Judas was selfishness. He caused Judas to decide, I care more about me, and let's just be honest, you're gonna see in a second, I care more about money than I do about the Messiah. So I'm going to go figure out a way that I can get rich off of this relationship. I'm going to stab him in the back and betray him and use my friendship with him for my own personal advantage. I can't tell you how many times, how many Hundreds of hours of marriage counseling that I've done when a spouse comes in and says, all my spouse cares about is themselves. They always put themselves in front of me. How am I supposed to live in a relationship with a selfish spouse that only thinks about themselves, or a friend who's just been hurt really bad? because their friend just stabbed them in the back, used the relationship that they had to make themselves look good by making you look bad. And I already know that it's happened to you. It's happened to all of us time and time again because relationships are gonna hurt people. This is the meal that should have been the greatest moment of his life. And instead it becomes one of the most painful and unfortunately, I see this played out time and time again as a pastor. You know, I don't do very many weddings, but when I do weddings, there's usually somebody in the room, one or two people in the room, that can absolutely ruin not just a wedding ceremony, but the meal afterwards, the wedding reception. And do you know who it is? It's the monster-in-law, I mean the mother-in-law, that can absolutely ruin a wedding ceremony. You see, sometimes they're so controlling, they're so selfish, they want this ceremony to go the way that they think it's supposed to go, that they'll actually even hurt their little darling, the bride or the groom, to get their way during the wedding ceremony. So when I do a wedding rehearsal before the rehearsal, I gather the whole family around, and I'm like, hey, y'all, come up to the stage. Let's talk for just a second. We're not going to have any of that, baloney today because you're not getting married. These two are, which means every decision that's made for the next few minutes, they're going to make. I don't even want to hear what's on your mind. So just keep it to yourself. And I'm sure I have offended countless parents at a wedding rehearsal, but I have seen too many wedding ceremonies and wedding receptions that should have been the most beautiful moment, most beautiful meal in their life. And it's miserable for everybody in the room because some selfish family member threw a fit and pouted because they didn't get their way. And what Jesus is experiencing is this should have been the greatest moment of his life, but instead he's betrayed and it's miserable. I think it's probably a good time for me right now to remind you and to remind myself that you were selfish and you betrayed him also. It's called sin. And every time you and I choose to do our own thing, instead of what we know God expects of us, every time we break one of those commandments and we know we're not supposed to do it, but we do it anyway, it's our own selfishness that comes in and it hurts the relationship between us and Jesus. And instead of shutting us out, listen, instead of sending us to hell, which is what we deserve, he loves us enough. he's willing to become the sacrifice for us so that this relationship can be reunited and so that we can be close to him again I betrayed him you betrayed him Satan has tempted and entered into us by using our own selfishness against us and it's happened countless times to hurt our relationship with Jesus and instead of shutting us out instead of sending us to hell He says, I'm going to fix this relationship and it's gonna cost me everything to make this right again. You see, the truth is that if you choose the only alternative, if you choose to shut everybody down and to shut everybody out and to turn your living room into a cave where people can't hurt you, you're opening yourself up to the only pain worse than being hurt by a friend. It's the lonely nights those dark lonely nights when you need a friend but you haven't been a friend and now you don't have any friends that you can call on when you need them the most. And a few of you in the room ought to say "Uh uh-oh because I think he may be talking about me right now. John is going to describe this dark lonely night when Jesus, when Judas leaves And Jesus' famous Last Supper is ruined by this betrayal and being stabbed in the back. Verse 28, none of those reclining at the table knew. Nobody saw this one coming is what the Bible is saying. None of them reclining at the table knew why he said this, why Jesus said this to Judas. Since Judas kept the money bag, some thought that Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the festival. The Passover celebration is about to begin tomorrow. The official event is about to start. Go get some stuff for the official event. Some of us thought that he was going to buy what we needed for the festival, or that he should give something away to the poor. That's a very important part of the whole Passover celebration in Jerusalem during during the Passover week. After receiving this piece of bread, he, Judas, immediately left. Please say the last four words out loud. And it was night. If you've been with us in the book of John up to this point, you know that word right there, night, does not only refer to stars are out, moon is shining, the sun went down. Judas is not just talking about darkness. He's actually talking about darkness evil as well as darkness evil got a hold of Judas and evil took root and now Judas has become an instrument of evil by the way there is a name synonymous with betrayal anybody know what that name is Judas his name is actually a nickname every time somebody stabs you in the back every time somebody betrays you because of how famous this event is and John tells us When Judas left, it was dark. And I don't just mean the sun went down. I mean, it was evil when Judas left because Satan now had a foothold on one of the disciples and he will use that foothold to attack them all, strike the sheep or the shepherd and the sheep will scatter and eventually he will use that foothold to become a trial which will lead to the death of the only innocent man who's ever walked on planet Earth. And it's all because Judas was willing to listen to sin and selfishness instead of to Satan. We talk about pushing back darkness in this church. And when we talk about darkness, we're talking about evil. You see, it's the job of light to penetrate the darkness and to push back the darkness. And it's the job of Christians to confront evil and to stand against evil and the more times that light confronts darkness the less dark the darkness becomes when enough light confronts darkness long enough you don't have darkness anymore now you have light that's what we want for this city that we live in when we talk about two cities we want this city to mirror the heavenly city that we're going to live in one day and until that day comes we want to make this city as much as we're able to like the heavenly city that we're going to live in. But we also recognize times are evil and there is evil all around me. And I have to be really, really careful because evil will get inside of me. And that's why I need brothers and sisters around me. I need guys and gals that will lock arms with me, who will come alongside of me, and who will be there with me when I'm tempted, who will be there with me when I'm being tried, and I'm struggling, and I'm having a hard time. The only thing worse than being hurt by a friend is not having anybody around you at all when you're in need, and you wanna reach out to somebody, but there's nobody there to reach out to. So as much as this may hurt to hear, in order to have friends, you're going to have to be a friend. And in order to be a friend, you're going to have to open your heart up. And by opening your heart up, you're making it possible for somebody to stab you in the back and for somebody to do you wrong. There's really only two options here. And if you're going to follow the model of Jesus, you got to open your heart up even though you've been burned. Your spouse isn't treating you the way that you're supposed to be treated. You can use it as a tool to get angry, get bitter, and then go get a divorce. Or you can get on your knees and you can ask God again and again and again for the strength to forgive and to open your heart up And maybe one day by opening your heart up enough, your spouse stops being selfish. Your boss stops being selfish and trying to control you and make themselves look good by making you look bad, but it's only going to happen by being a friend that you're able to have those kind of friendships. So I'm going to put some challenges for us on the screens and let's just be honest, all three of these are hard. Maybe you're tuned into this broadcast and you are realizing for the first time, I deserve what happened to Judas because I betrayed him too. Every time I committed a sin, it was ultimately a betrayal of an innocent man. And I deserve the punishment that goes along with that betrayal but I don't wanna experience an eternity separated from Jesus in hell. So maybe what you need to do in just a second is cry out a prayer of forgiveness. Maybe for the first time in your life, saying, God, I'm sorry, I betrayed you, and I deserve punishment, but I don't wanna spend eternity separated from you. So God, would you forgive me? God, would you change me? In just a second, I'm gonna pray for you. All of us need a team of brothers and sisters just two or three. Look, I would rather have 300 enemy in front of me than two or three friends that I know are going to stab me in the back and hurt me. But the truth is, without opening myself up, I've got no chance of making it through this life on my own. You need a group of brothers and sisters alongside of you. I need a group of brothers and sisters alongside of you. And yeah, unfortunately they might hurt you and you might hurt them but the alternative is worse so maybe today somebody in this group somebody who's watching online needs to get tuned in and plugged into a small group for the first time we hope you enjoyed this message don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes have a great week